could be Ephesians in chapter 5 this morning. I encourage you to get your Bible. We're going to walk through the first few verses there, and we are thankful for our guests and thankful that each one could join us today. It's a crisp morning outside to our bones, and to many of us in our hearts, there's all kinds of thoughts and concerns and fears and sadness, and life can be that way. But we're thankful we come in the presence of our God, and we're thankful that God knows, God's still on his throne, and God is still powerful among us. It's great to see Steve Kirchkessner here after he's had some heart surgery. It's good to have him back among us and has his big smile on his face and just a lot of things going on in our church family, and we're glad that we could be together today and to look at some things. Well, as been said, and as we already know, Thursday's Thanksgiving. It's a busy time. Some of you will be traveling, some of you will be having family in your home this coming week, and Thanksgiving has a lot of different meanings for a lot of people. For some people, it's a day off of school. For some people, it's a day off of work. For some people, it's great food. For others, it's football. It's fun. It starts the holiday shopping season. For some, it's time to get out all that Christmas stuff and start decorating your house. And for the child of God, it's just another constant reminder that we are be thankful to our God. We don't have one day a year we do this. This is a characteristic. It's in our DNA to be thankful to God every single day. And so when we look at passages such as the book of Psalms in chapter 107, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. The word thankfulness is found over 150 times in our Bible. It's found more than 67 times in the book of Psalms alone. Psalms chapter 9 verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. Or as the Thessalonians were told, in everything. Now that's hard. Everything. Because not everything is good. Not everything is nice. But in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Stories told of a young mother who was at work one day. She got called from the babysitter, and her little child was sick. So she went to the pharmacy to get some medicine. And as she came out, the keys were locked in her car. And she didn't know what to do. So she called the babysitter and said, I don't know what to do. And she said, see if you can find a coat hanger and kind of jimmy it down and work it out. And so she found this old rusty coat hanger in the parking lot, and she did all she could do, and it wasn't working. And she just started crying. And she just said, Lord, help me. About that time, a big old motorcycle guy pulled up right beside her. This guy was big, burly, dirty-looking, big old beard, leather. And he asked her if she needed some help. And she said, I can't get my keys. My little child is sick. So he took that coat hanger, and in just a few seconds, he opened it up. She gave him the biggest hug. You're the nicest man. He says, no, I'm not, ma'am. I just got out of prison. I was in jail for car theft. And as she drove away, she said, Lord, thank you for sending a professional. You know, thankfulness. When we think about thankfulness, there are three aspects. One aspect is we're thankful to the person who did something. Now, in our case, we're thankful to God. We remind ourselves of the story of the ten lepers. And when Jesus got rid of their leprosy, one came back, bowed before Jesus, and he was thankful to Jesus. But there's a sense which we're also thankful for a gift. Many of us are thankful we're even alive today. We're thankful we have health in our body. 
We're thankful that this is Sunday. Before I got in here today, I went over across the street to the donut shop. I do that on Sunday mornings. Got to get my energy. Got to get me some sugar. Stand in line with Tony right before me. And I've gotten to know the owner of the donut store pretty good. He said, you're having a good day? I said, it's Sunday. It's the best day of the week. He says, always right. Always right. And we're thankful for the gift that we have. But this morning what we're going to focus on is something we don't consider very often, and that is what does thankfulness do to us? We are thankful. God wants us to be thankful. But in the process of that, thankfulness does something to us. And that takes us to the book of Ephesians, if you will, and the first 20 verses. Let's walk through these, if you will. Ephesians chapter 5, the first 20 verses. I'm going to point out some things to you here. And then as we do this, we're going to notice this concept of thankfulness and what it does to each person who has that right kind of heart. Ephesians chapter 5 now begins verse 1. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among the saints. There must also be no filthiness, silly talk, or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has inheritance in the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with him, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is disgraceful to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that, bears, everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, verse 15, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, with, but do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, when we go back and look at this big picture here, there's several things that we need to notice. First of all, notice three times he uses the word therefore. This chapter begins with therefore. Therefore is a connecting word. Because I said that, therefore. This is connected to that. You'll notice also he says that in verse 7, therefore. And then in verse 15, therefore. So the apostle is making several statements and showing the conclusions or the connections to this. You'll also notice multiple times he uses the word do not. He says this in verse 3. He says, do not. He says in verse 4, a form of do not, there must be no. That's a form of do not. We look at verse 6 and verse 7, let no one. That's a form of do not. He says in verse 7, do not. Verse 11, do not. Verse 17, verse 18, do not, do not, do not, do not. 
And then what's interesting, in verse 4 and also verse 20, he says, give thanks. Now, what's he talking about? Well, this goes back to chapter 4. And so if you've got your Bibles, flip back to the first part of chapter 4. And in our theme this year, we've been talking about I belong to him, he belongs to me. This is a relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Paul would say in Galatians chapter 2, it's no longer I who live, Christ lives in me. Well, that's great preaching talk. What does that mean? What does it mean I belong to Jesus? What does it mean that I am a disciple? So in chapter 4, verse 1, what he begins by talking about is now that you're a Christian, you don't just go to church on Sunday. You've changed. And this is what the change looks like. He says in verse 1 of chapter 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Through this chapter, through chapter 5, we're going to see multiple times he uses the word walk. Walk is about direction. Walk is about destination. Walk is about movement. So walk in a certain way. He would say in verse 17, don't walk like the Gentiles do because they're not walking the right direction. So you're not following the path of those around you. He would also say in verse 22, don't walk as you once did. There in verse 22, it says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. So it's not like I just get up Sunday morning, throw on some nice clothes, I keep going to church, and nothing changes. No, you've changed. Something is different. What is different? Your walk, your vision, your destination, all of that has changed. And so what he says in verse 24 is, put on a new self, he says. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. I belong to him, he belongs to me. Well, what does that look like? Verse 25, be honest, he says. Verse 26, be under control. Don't let the anger get the best of you. Down in verse 29, be pure in all that. And then that continues on to chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, imitate God. What's he driving at here? What he's driving at is you are a Christian now. You are a follower of Jesus. You have changed directions. You have made a, a purpose, and now you're going a different destination. What does it mean here to imitate God? Well, he would say in chapter 4, verse 32, to forgive like God forgives. And that's powerful, isn't it? You think about almost every single prayer we pray whether publicly or privately, forgive us of our sins. How many times God has done that? And what he says here is, if you're changing your direction, now you're going to become a forgiver. Rather than holding hostility, rather than holding grudges, rather than saying, I'll never talk to you again, you are going to forgive. And then in verse 2 of chapter 5, you're going to love like Jesus. How did Jesus love in chapter 5, verse 2? He says he made an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Walk in love just as Christ loves. And so that's the concept. And that's the idea. So running through chapter 4, running through chapter 5 is this new picture. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. You've changed. 
They've come in there and they've gutted the house. They've rewired your thinking. And no longer are you your old way. Now you're a new person. And this is what this looks like. Now, connecting this to our thankfulness, I want you to notice verse 3 and verse 4 once again. In verse 3 and also verse 4, he says, But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as proper as among the saints. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. Now, other translations use this expression. The ESV says sexual immorality, all impurity, and covetousness. Down below with these other words, filthiness, loose talk, crude joking. The CEB uses this word, this language, obscene language, silly talk, vulgar. As one writer says, dirty minds expressing dirty thoughts in dirty conversations. Now he says this is not proper because, number one, he says these things don't fit. That's why he says at the end of verse 4, these things no longer fit. You know what that means. You go to put on a piece of, uh, some pants and all of a sudden you suck it in until it's to your backbone and they just don't button. These pants don't fit anymore. You ever move the couch for somebody? And you got to go up about three flights of stairs, about four, around about four or five corners. And sometimes you think, this couch doesn't fit. I remember moving my son-in-law before he married my daughter. And we tried every way to get his couch out of that apartment. We finally tied a rope to it, went out to the, the balcony, and down it went. Because it simply didn't fit. This lifestyle, he says, this immorality, this, this loose talking, it doesn't fit. And then he says in verse 5, these things won't get you to heaven. Once again in verse 5, for, he says, For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. You know that. You know that for certain. And then what he illustrates with this, with this is these things bring about the wrath of God. So serious is the apostle about this. He says in verse 7, don't partake with them. In verse 11, he would say, don't participate in these things. And then in verse 12, don't even talk about these things. Why? Because they're not proper. Now, how do we keep these things from our lives? Well, had I not been given the end of verse 4, I would say stronger preaching, more Bible, better worship. But that's not what he does. Look how verse 4 ends. The giving of thanks. How do I keep these things out of my life? How do I keep on that course God wants me to be? How do I keep walking toward heaven? The giving of thanks. And so what we see here is, rather than thinking immorally, be thankful for God's gift of marriage. That's what he's driving at. The joys of love, the joys of companionship, this is right in God. This is what God wants us to see and how important that is. We remember right before the flood, in the book of Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says, the thought and the intent of man was evil continually. Here what the apostles telling us is be thankful be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what is right. The thankful heart realizes that Satan doesn't offer anything that is better than God. 
Now imagine, imagine I had tickets to next year's World Series. Two tickets. I don't even know where it's going to be played at. No idea who's going to be in it. But I got you two tickets to the World Series next year. Or you can come to my backyard and watch my grandkids play baseball with those big red bats. Now, which would you pick? Roger, I love you, but no, I'm going to the World Series. That's what God is saying here. Satan is offering you an attempt to go watch something that's really nothing or something that's right, big, and beautiful. And so how do I deal with this pure life? How do I stay on course with God? I am thankful for what God has given me. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. Now, when you continue on with this concept here, rather than being greedy, and that's one of the things that he said there, rather than being greedy, be thankful that God has taken care of you. Let's go to the book of Matthew, if you will. Matthew, if you will. Matthew chapter 6, if you will. Matthew chapter 6. Notice what the Lord says here in the last two verses. Matthew chapter 6. Excuse me, verse 31, verse 32. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, verse 32. He says in verse 31, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. Now stop there for a moment. You remember what I said earlier in Ephesians 4? We don't walk like the Gentiles. Well, what is the Gentiles seeking? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to buy? That's what the Gentiles are after. He says, we don't walk that way. Verse 32, for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God takes care of you. There's not a person in this building who has not tasted the blessings of God. Now, you might say right now, well, I'm, I'm kind of going through a dark season right now, Lord. Right now, I'm walking through a valley. I've got some heavy things on my heart. That is true, but still, God has blessed you. God has been good to you. In the book of Psalms, if you turn there with me, Psalms chapter 37, and in verse 25, Psalms 37, verse 25, it says, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaking or begging bread. God has taken care of his people. And that helps us to see that. There's a story one day of a little boy that fell in water. He nearly drowned. Man jumped in, pulled him out, rescued the boy. Several days later, the mother and that little boy were walking down the street, and here came that man right toward them. And that little boy recognized that man. That's the man, mommy, pulled me out of the water. That's the man that saved me. And the mother went up to that man and says, are you the one who pulled my boy out of the water? Yes, ma'am, I am. Thinking that maybe she's going to thank him. Well, where's his hat? I sometimes wonder, are we saying the same thing? God has blessed us. God has pulled us out of the water. Somebody else has been there for me. But where's the hat? You see, the thankful heart reminds us of these things. The thankful heart realizes the many blessings of God and how many times God has touched our heart. And then we also notice that the thankful heart, rather than coarse talking, be thankful for God's truth. 
And, and, and again, how important that is. Rather than saying things that's not true, rather than saying things that don't matter, we talk about the things that are right and true. Once again, in the book of Psalms, the psalmist would say this in chapter 19, that wonderful passage about the revelation of God and how God's word is so effective to us and how God's word helps us so much. He'd say in Psalms chapter 19, beginning at verse 1, concerning these things, he says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise as simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. More desirable than gold, yes, much more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Imagine our worship this morning. And every word that I have spoken was in Latin. And you don't know Latin. And not one of you has a Bible. And there's no verses on the screen. For a long, long time, that's what worship was in, in Europe. But different men rose up and started putting the Bible in the common language and made available for everybody. And now people can realize, I don't have to listen to somebody. I don't know if he's telling me the truth or not. I've got the Bible. I've got the truth and what a powerful thing that is and how thankful I need to be for that because God's ways as I read that Bible are unchanging. Everything around us changes. The weather changes. We change. But God's word doesn't change. There's never a time when God's not as faithful as he used to be. There's never a time when God's not as good as he used to be. There's never a time when God is not as generous as he used to be. God's words are right. And we live in times when we don't know what is right. One show says this, another shows this, somebody says this, somebody says that. You look at this on Facebook, you look at this on Google, all kinds of messages. The one absolute is the Bible. Be thankful for that. Be thankful that what he expects of you is doable. He doesn't ask you to do the impossible. But what he does ask of you is to walk with him. Walk like him. And then to understand that his promises are believable. So when he promises to forgive your sins, you can believe that. When he promises that he'll go and prepare a place for you, you can believe that. When he promises that he'll never give you more than you can handle, you can believe that. When God says that, that give me your burdens, we can believe that. So thankfulness changes us. And that's what we need to appreciate and understand. So one thing it does for us, it leads to righteous type of living. It leads to living, and that's how Paul is bringing this up in the book of Ephesians. Rather than talking ways you shouldn't talk, rather than living immorally, give thanks. And when you give thanks, it puts your mind where it should be, and that's to heaven. It makes you think of the blessings of God. These are the things that helps us. Now notice, if you will, in the book of Romans, chapter 1. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. 
professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image of the corruptible man, of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Do you see that link? Maybe had they been thankful, opening their eyes to how great God is, that wouldn't take place. But we also find this in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful. That's no thanks. Unholy, unloving. Look at those three unwords all beside each other. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving. Why is it that sometimes people get in the mess they do? Maybe they haven't been thankful. Maybe they haven't opened their eyes to the greatness and the goodness of God. Maybe they've forgotten the blessings that they have from God. And so a grateful heart leads to righteous living. And it leads to a Christ-like spirit. Now back to the book of Ephesians, if you will. Ephesians chapter 5. Notice how he brings this out two different places. In Ephesians chapter 5, notice verse 19. He says in verse 18, don't get drunk, for that's dispatient, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord. Who sings? Somebody who's joyful. Somebody who's happy. When you're around little children, they're singing all the time. I've got a granddaughter who doesn't know probably more than three words of one song, but off she goes. She'll hum, 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 and here comes the word she knows. Hum, 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 here comes the word she knows. But she loves to sing. What's he saying here? The thankful heart makes us sing. The thankful heart makes us realize we are a blessed people. But then notice how this section ends in verse 21. Verse 21 says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, we know right after this, he's going to talk about the marriage and husbands and wives. And wives be subject to husbands. And sometimes people kind of get their hair all bristled up and get kind of excited about that. But before that, he says, be subject to one another. What does Christ do? What does a thankful heart does? It leads me to a Christ-like spirit. Getting along. Getting along with one another. I don't have to put that stake in the ground and says, I said it, this is how it has to be. We get along with one another. We see how we can be in unity. We see how other people matter, and it's not just my way. And so the grateful heart leads to a Christ-like spirit. And then finally what it leads to, it leads to treasuring the things of God, the things that are right and noble and the things that are good. All those things help us as we think about how it makes us treasure these things. And so we need to remind ourselves as we get into a season of thankfulness, it's not just to a person. It's not just to God. It's not just for what has happened to us or what we have received, but what now does it do to us? Does it change us? Be thankful you don't have everything because you can dream and work and plan for things. Be thankful you don't know everything because then you can study and learn and grow. Be thankful for limitations because that reminds us that we need one another and I need the Lord. 
Be thankful for challenges because that puts us into new places and new, new experiences. Be thankful when you recognize mistakes because there we learn and we become better. Be thankful when you spend a, a day doing something and you're tired but makes you realize I made a difference for someone else. You see, thankfulness is about trying to see what it does for us. The thankful heart changes us. I love the story of a Bible class, and there's a little boy in this Bible class, and the teacher asked him to lead the prayer that day. And that little boy never had led a prayer before, and he was kind of scared and nervous, didn't know what to say. And so everybody bowed their head, and the little boy says, Dear God, please take care of yourself, because if anything happens to you, we're all sunk. And ain't that the truth? That's the truth. And that reminds us of that. And so as we head into a season where people will be thankful, our country will be thankful on Thursday, and then come Friday they'll put it in the box till next year, not us. Not us. We're thankful before Thursday. We're going to be thankful after Thursday. And more than just saying thank you, we realize that because of God, we've changed. We're walking a different place now. We're after different things now. And we see that our value system has changed. We see what's important to us now. And what we're after is the things of God. How valuable and important those things are to us. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need to become one. You do that by giving your heart to Jesus. You're doing what the Bible says by being repentant of your sins. Realizing I was walking one way, and I can still walk this way, but this is going to lead to a dead end, and it's not going to lead to heaven. So I've got to consider, what am I going to do? My stubborn ways say, I'm walking. I'm walking, I'm walking. But when I open this book up, I don't have to keep going this way. And this book tells me where this road leads. And it's not a good place. And this book tells me I can change. All of us can change. I just got to get rid of that pride. I got to crucify myself. I've got to turn. It's called repentance. I've got to seek the Lord. I've got to be baptized, as Jesus says. And then I've got to walk as if I'm going toward heaven. I've got to walk as if I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to walk a different direction. All my friends say, hey, we're going this way, Roger. Sorry, I'm following Jesus. Roger, you're leaving us. I'm sorry, I'm following Jesus. All the way to heaven. That's what Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5 is all about. And what the apostle does so well for us, he doesn't just paint this big picture where we can lose that idea. He gets into specifics. You don't talk this way. You talk this way. You don't think that way. You think this way. You don't say those things. You say these things. You don't do those things. You do these things. And when we go through that, we see that's walking with Jesus. And where this path leads, yeah, it's going to go through a door called death, but that's okay. Because on the other side of that room is Jesus. And that's where I want to be. And that's where heaven is. And so that's what Ephesians 4 and 5 is all about. And when we look at that, man, we ought to be thankful. God could have said, come and find me. And here we are, way over here. Keep going this direction. And I don't see him. I don't know where he's at, but he didn't do that because he knew we couldn't find him. 
So he came and gave us Jesus. And Jesus left steps all the way that we can follow. And when we see those steps, we know, stay right close to Jesus. Be so close to Jesus, you can reach out and touch him. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Everyone says, you've gone far enough. No, Jesus is still up there. I'm going to keep going and keep going until I reach that final end. Where he says, you've made it. You've made it. And so when we look at that, boy, we ought to be thankful. Can you imagine if we had to figure this stuff out for ourselves? I mean, we can put somebody on the moon, but how in the world would we find God? How would we know what God wanted us to do? I mean, we might think, well, you know, let's get a bunch of rocks, make a little rock garden out here and spell the name G-O-Day. Maybe he'll like that. I saw some college football games yesterday, a bunch of guys in sub-zero weather didn't have their shirts on. Maybe we can get some guys up here and spell G-O-D on their bellies and stand up. How would we find God? We couldn't. No ideas. But he says, here it is. Follow me. And this is not left up to, well, I don't know what that means. I don't, it's so clear. Don't do those things. We see that in Ephesians 4 and 5. Don't, 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 because that takes you right there, and that's a dead end. But do this. And when you do it, you're going to be right with Jesus. And so that's our thoughts this morning. Two things out of this. Number one, I need to be thankful. Thankful that God loves me so much. He made it so clear. You don't have to have a PhD in anything to figure this out. This was first told to fishermen. And they told their fishing buddies. And they could understand this is the message. But secondly, if I'm going that direction, how many more days? How many more weeks am I still going to go down a dead end? God says a sign, this is dead end, but I keep going that way. Why am I not going that way? Is it time? Is it time to say, today's the day. Today's the day I get baptized. Today's the day I turn around. Today's the day I follow Jesus. That's what this is about. What a thankfulness that God said that. How God could have said, you messed up. Man, you messed up even before you started high school. You blew it away in college. And man, you've been messing up for a long time. And good luck. Yon, yon. But he didn't do that, did he? He's going to forgive you and forgive you and forgive you and forgive you. But now as long as you go that direction, you got to go this direction and follow him. So if we can help you, if you'd love to have a conversation, we'd love to have it with you. If you know enough, why spend another day going the wrong direction? Isn't it time to walk with Jesus? Won't you come as we stand, as we sing?